Bobby, Ritter, I appreciate you guys coming in. Um, what we're trying to do is get a lot of the history and the stories of Lou and Westside on tape so we can have some accurate information so we make sure the club always keeps going forward. Um, the way we're starting these is kind of just going from the start when both of you came into the gym and how you ended up coming in to meet Louie and get into Westside. So if we could start there, that'd be great. Start with you, Bob. Um, I started before I met Gritter uh, back in 1979. I actually started, I came in with Matt Demmel. Yeah. Uh, when we were still in the garage and I was kind of part-time because I was bodybuilding at the same time and Louie didn't really care for bodybuilders too much, but he let me train on Fridays and Sundays. Yeah. Um, and then I left for a while, moved to Newark, and I was out there doing my thing and working hard. And yeah. um, Then I came back, and Gritter was already at the gym when I got there. Gotcha. And that would have been 90, 95, I think. 94, 95. Might have been. When, when did you get in there? 94 or 95, I can't recall. Can pull that microphone a little bit closer to your Gritter. I want to say it was probably 90. Late 94, early 95. Five. I actually, I was reading in the Powerlifting USA, Louis' articles about how to do train Westside. Yeah. And at the time, he was doing in the gym seminars. So I was, I was trying to, I was trying to do what he wrote about, and it wasn't working. Okay, so I called him up. <laughs> I took a day. <laughs> I took a day. I said, I'm taking weights squat bench and deadlift. It was terrible, okay? Yeah. This time I'm totaling about 1360. So I called Lou and I said, I've been trying to do your stuff and I'd like to come to your seminar. He said, well, we just had one. Don't know when we're gonna have another one. I said, okay, well, put me on the list. I'd like to come and see how to do this stuff because I've been doing it and it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. That's all I had to say. <laughs> I said, it doesn't work. Well. Well, let me tell you what, young man, I know it works. And blah, 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 blah. Where the hell do you live at? And I said, I live in Dayton. He says, how soon can you be here? And I said, I can be here in an hour and a half. Be there in an hour and a half. So I came up after already testing squat bench and deadlift. Took tall morning with me and a couple buddies. I come up and break my squat bench and deadlift records. That, that day? That afternoon. Well, wow. we just tweaked my form. So I said, thanks put me on the list, what are you doing Friday? I can be here Friday, come up Friday. So I come up Friday, met the core group of guys. At that time it was uh, Chuck, Joe McCoy, Kenny, um, Tony Damron, uh, Todd Brock. Mm -hmm. Jimmy uh, Ritchie. Jimmy Rich. well Jimmy wasn't there yet. I didn't meet Jimmy for quite a while. Uh, it was probably working. Dave Tate. Dave Tate. Yeah. So I met those guys and a couple of guys that weren't weren't that strong. And then, but Billy Killian, 165er, remember Billy? Yep. So I squatted with Billy, and I'm at a, a light 198, and he's a 165, and he just proceeded to beat me into the ground. You know, Billy could squat, huh? He can squat. Yeah, he was a good squatter though. You know, he's a good lifter. But uh, thank Lou. He said, "Well, what are you doing Sunday?" <laughs> I said, well, I, I can come up. So I came up, benched at the, the Morris group, Road Group, because at that time, the good lifters were benching over at... Uh, Van Horn's? Van Horn's Garage. Yeah, Tim's place. So come on Monday, come on Wednesday, come again on Friday. Just keep coming until I tell you not to. 
<laughs> he never told me to stop. That's how I got involved. And at that stage, was there just one crew or was there? Uh, Waddle and Jerry O. Jerry O worked out about noon. There was like three or four guys that worked out at night. I can't even tell you who all they were. Chris Plants was in there. Mark Gamboni. Mark was in the morning crew when I joined. Oh, was he? Or when I showed up. Uh, you don't really join yeah. West Side. But I showed up, and Camboni was in the night crew. So I had to go get a surgery done, one of many. And I called Lou. I said, I'd like to come back if you'll have me. And he said, yeah, but you need to come at night. Can you come at night? They, that's where the weak guys are at. <laughs> and you'll fit in better. And, and there was a friction with me in the morning crew a little bit. So I came at night. Worked out better for me. Yeah. And uh, ended up staying for... Who was that, that night crew? At that time, Camboni had been kind of pushed to the night crew. Uh, Chris Plants. Some young kid, I can't remember his name. And Mike Amy, Vallone? Huh? Mike Vallone? No, Mike came a little later. But when I went at night, uh, Amy in and out yeah. at night and morning crew. So. And the girls trained at night, too. Yeah, a couple of Doris. Uh, Doris did. Tracy Tate. Tracy Tate, yep. That was it. And uh, Vanessa, Vanessa Schwanker. Yeah. So came at night crew, fit in better at night crew, yeah. strength wise. Because when you're when you're training with guys that are jumping plates and you jump, need to jump quarters, all you get is a bunch of shit. Okay, <laughs> so it, it just worked out better for me. I was walking around the original Arnold Classic and uh, with my neighbor, and uh, he said, "Hey," he said, "That old man over there is trying to get a hold of you." And I turned around and looked, and it was Louie. And he had his little booth set up. And this is when the Arnold was in one room of the Veterans Memorial. I mean, yeah. it was barely even off the ground. And he had a TV screen going with Matt Demmel in his 1010 squat. It was yeah. on a loop. And he was advertising his hyper. And that's the only thing, the only product he had back then was his hyper. And he had a little booth set up. Yeah. And he called me over to the table. And this was after Matt had died. And uh, asked me what I was doing and told me I looked like hell. <laughs> and I'd been partying pretty hard since Matt died. And I said, yeah, I said, not doing too well. And he said, uh, he says, well, you need to come to the gym. And I was like, well, I don't belong there. And he's like, yes, you do. He says, you got six weeks or I'm coming to Newark and get you. <laughs> and I, six weeks, I trained at the YMCA for six weeks and got in shape. And then I showed up and jumped in squats with Gritter on a Friday night. I think it was my first night. First night, yeah. Had to drive home, and I can remember cramping up halfway down 104. <laughs> I just had to get out and lay on the certified gas station front yard because my hamstrings and glutes were fucking ready to tear off. First time I met you was at a meet. You were helping at a meet. That could have been. And you, you smacked paper mache with that big class ring or whatever it is you had on your hand. You got a big mouse over his eye, almost knocked him down. Louie! <laughs> uh. I never knew that Lou got that booth because the Lormers called Louie to help with the original setup of the Arnold inside. Yeah. It was and small then, then. I mean, yeah. it was literally maybe 50 exhibits, maybe. I mean, it was tiny. It took up just one wing of the Veterans Memorial. That's crazy. Um, I mean, the Olympia used to take up the whole building when they had the Olympia down there because I was down there a few times in high school, too. I didn't know the Olympia was here. Yeah. 79 and... 79 and 81. When did the, do you remember when the Arnold first came here? Or when that started? The Arnold came here because Jim Lorimer was Arnold's best friend. Okay. And he was Arnold's best man in his wedding. 
Oh, okay. And he's the one that got Arnold to do the original Arnold Classic at the Veterans Memorial. Okay. And that's how that all started. Wow. Because right. I was, uh, um, there was only one gym in town back then. It was called Green's Gym, and it was down on High Street, North Broadway, and it was a bomber gym, old school, like you'd find in Detroit or something like that. Yeah. Almost looked like the old Demers Road gym with broken glass front windows and wood floors and... It's right next to the Jimmy Rollins Dance Studio, which is still there, right there at North Broadway and High Street. And a uh, big limousine pulled up on a Saturday. And it was Arnold Schwarzenegger, Albert Beckles, Dennis Tenorino, and um, uh, fuck, Platts. Tom Platts. Tom Platts were all sitting in the limousine. And Arnold came in, and they needed people to help build the stage for the Olympia. And it's back when he had real long hair. He was filming the first Conan at this time, and he had real long hair down to his shoulders. And I volunteered, me and two of my friends from high school, and we went down and built the stage for the Olympia, for the posing platform. That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it was pretty, because I got to meet him and sit in a limo with him. And What was that like? I was a 17-year-old kid. It was, it was, it was off the wall. I mean, I remember going home and telling my dad that night, and he thought I was a liar. <laughs> Jeez. Um... But he drove around town, and he rented a Jeep and drove around town like, you, you know, I mean, he lived here because he spent a lot of time here yeah. working on the Arnold and stuff like that. And you'd see him going down High Street in a Jeep with his hair flowing in the wind. And we'd see him in high school running on the bike trails down at Warrington High School. He'd go down there, and we'd be down there playing soccer at lunchtime. And all of a sudden, you know, Arnold and three guys would go running by the, on the bike trails jogging. I didn't, know, I didn't know he spent that much time here at all. Yeah, this is pretty much was his... He stayed at the Lorimer's house, which was down the street from where I lived in Worthington. Yeah. When did Westside start competing at the Arnold, or when were the competitions powerlifting? That started in the early 90s. Gary Benford started those with the bench press show. That was Gary Benford's, and he was one of our in-and-out partners on the 4 o'clock crew. Was he Susie's husband at the time? Yes. Yeah. but that was the original before there was any WPO or anything like that. And I was on stage spotting, I think, 21 years straight. Wow. I spotted the first 800-pound bench. Anthony, that, Anthony, Anthony Clark. Clark. Yeah. What was that like with that reverse grip? It was pretty intense to just to be on the stage. I mean, that yeah. place was packed that day. And it was uh, me and Louie on one side and Chuck Vogelpool and Mark Gamboni on the other. And then Teeter, who was uh, Anthony's handler, handed out to him. And it was it was clean and crisp. What is he like, Anthony Clark? Real laid back and quiet. Yeah. Uh, Matt competed against him in the uh, was the '92 seniors when Matt made his comeback and beat uh, he beat Anthony Clark and he beat Big Jim Veronin and he beat uh, Steve Brodsky after he'd blown his knees off. Yeah. But they were supposed to walk again and came back and cleaned house. Was, they were almost all tied going into the deadlift, and Matt pulled a huge 832, which was well, crazy for a yeah. super heavyweight at that time. And he was a big man, and he just, after that, it was over. What made the night crew, I don't think special with the world, but what made it work? Like, what was so unique about that compared to the morning crew? We were kind of like the training camp for Westside. I mean, to get into the morning crew, you pretty much had to come through the 4 o'clock crew. That's what it seemed like to me. I mean, we would get guys, and they would be around a couple weeks. Lou would, and then all of a sudden, call Lou, me and Lou, say, I'm Louis, sending this guy in. Louie would steal him. Look yeah. at him, see what you're saying, <laughs> that kind of crap. So yeah. kind of like a feeder team, yeah, like, like a baseball. Yeah, it's pretty much like a, like the Clippers are for the Yankees. Yeah. What uh, what was the atmosphere like? Like how how did you run the cruise? I thought it was pretty intense. 
he was a dick. <laughs> and I learned to be one. I don't agree with all that. Hey, I've always heard that since I've been here. And, you know, I, I don't, I think I'm a nice guy. Yeah. I really do. You're a dick. And, and, but, yeah. uh, you, yes, you come you to train. Yep. You've got to train. Yeah. But he would you come to dick around, get the hell out of my life. Yeah. That's, that's that the was just was. the way I was. Yeah. And, and we it, trained. And if Lou wouldn't let me throw you out, I would make it unbearable for you to be there. <laughs> <laughs> and what would people have to do to be in that category? Like, would they just have to not be- train hard? We, we, we got them from didn't even know what a squat was. I mean, having to show them how to stand and how to hold the bar. And I mean, we would start them out from brass tacks the bottom. And So giving effort was more important than being really At that strong. level, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you're expected to not miss workouts. We yeah. had some bodybuilders Which come in one day. I didn't miss a workout for almost 10 years. And they were clearly knew their way around a gym. Yeah. These guys looked good and everything. But when it comes to intensity, Gabe Ryder was one of them. They, they, yeah, Gabe was outstanding. Trainer. Jerry Schwanker. Schwanker, again, bodybuilder. But yeah. he, he knew the secret. secrets published everywhere. Just try hard. Yeah. And these these two bodybuilders came in. I think they're going to be pretty good, Britt. Blah 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 blah. They were just pussies. I couldn't stand them the first workout. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to get overtrained. I hate that word. There's no such thing as overtraining. I don't buy that. Yeah. I don't buy that. Undernourished, but not overtrained. (laughs) Under supplemented, let's say. Uh, How did you get bestowed the title of Run the Night Crew? I don't say, I never, I never claimed that I ran the night crew. He was the oldest and the wisest. (laughs) Been there the longest. I've been there a long time. Lou, I guess because I've been there a long time, Lou would call me and say, so I'm sending so-and-so over, this and that and the other. I never claimed that title. It was yours, though. Well, He he, he put it on you a lot. I know. I know. You know, when I had to quit, uh, I got to where I, here's another thing. I could not train hard anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you had that three attacks. <laughs> is is the weak shall not hold back the strong. Yeah. And I was weak. And since I couldn't contribute to the level I felt I doesn't mean I have to be the strongest in the gym. Yeah. But I have to be able to train hard. And I clearly was falling apart and getting where I couldn't train hard. I didn't realize at that point I had a serious uh, But you were still playing a big role in helping with Dave Hoff. Huh? I said you were still playing a big role in helping Bobby, with Dave Hoff. Bobby, that's 90% you, buddy. What it really was. Bobby and Hoff were, it, it was 90% all Bobby. Um, but I was getting, I was deteriorating, and I just felt like I wasn't contributing anymore. And because when, if you have a bunch of young guys come in, and you got this old fart over here yelling and screaming at you, okay? <laughs> hobbling around. And, and hobbling around, and, 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 squatting with 300 you know yeah i you don't have that respect level anymore and i could see that that respect level wasn't there when that respect level started to drop what i saw was a deterioration in the night crew that i wasn't happy with and uh i just thought you know i'm weak i can't hold back the strong and i think bobby had had left at that point 
uh, Jimmy, I think, had left at that point, wasn't it? We were in and out. In and out, and then our, I did our, have to our move. careers were changing. Bobby brought in big, big Josh Guthridge. Oh yeah, and all yeah. the Newark guys. Yeah, yeah, and he brought in the rest of the Newark guys, and that was a really good core group there. And we were, we were strong yeah. with that group, but uh, and really happy with that bunch of lifters there. But there were some in there that I didn't. We had Eskel in our group for a while. Yeah, we had Eskel. <laughs> he was he was whether he wants to admit it or not, he was four o'clock crew for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Louis, Louis, him and Louie just didn't see eye to eye in the morning crew after a no, certain point. No. They were attacking each other with ten pound plates. I, I loved Eskel, but boy, he would get me fired up. I love I love I he'd come in, he'd come through the doors talking shit. I mean, we, he 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 wasn't even the door hadn't even closed yet. He was running his mouth. <laughs> his first workout back after being gone, what, two years or so? Yeah. He comes in the gym running his mouth. Very first, first work. Luke Hall said, hey, I'm going to let Eskel come back. I said, okay. He says, you treat him just like you always do. Nothing, you know, if he can't cut it, he's got to go. I said, all right. Very first, first night, he's, <laughs> as soon as he hit the door, you know. And we got, What's we, wrong, you bitches? We were doing good mornings <laughs> for triples. Yeah. So we get in there, we're going, we're going. I'm pretty That's strong at this point. That's a stupid exercise. So, yeah, he didn't like doing it. It's about the long and short of it. So he goes, he strains a little bit, and he stops. He said, I'm not doing anymore. I said, you've got to go. He said, I'm not going anymore. I said, I'm not getting hurt for you, blah, blah, blah. I said, you have to fucking go again. And he says, I'm not going to. I said, then take your shit and get in your truck and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> And he got comes over, and he could twist my head off my yeah. body if he wanted to. He came over, shoves me back, gets under bar, and does it for like six reps, a weight that he was afraid to take for three. Yeah. That just proved one thing to me. When I see stuff like that, you're not freaking training hard. So that gives me the key to just get on all over his ass for the rest of the week. Yeah. <laughs> And he's don't, don't try a weight and miss it and then come back and make it easy. Yeah. What what made Eskel the character he was? Because there's so there's a few just people a, got just stories. Just his personality, his accent, and this little doodappy little hairdo that he had. He, had he this, was like, a lovable Bart Simpson dude. little. <laughs> I loved that. This little I thing did. of hair that yeah. was in the front like a horn. I first time I saw him, I was walking in over here at the restaurant TJ's, and I was leaving a little bit early, and I was walking out. And I passed this guy coming in the building. He looked like he worked out, but he had this, this unicorn hair coming straight out of his bald head like this. <laughs> and, I, and I'm a very conservative person. And I walk by and I go, what the <laughs> hell is this deal? The 90s was like the decade of 10 pounds more. Yeah. Okay. You, you, you couldn't stop. If, if you did something easy, you had to take another you one. Had to, you had to miss it. And me and Eskel both did 500 reverse blue band. And Louis looks at Eskel and says, take another one. <laughs> Eskel said, I don't want to. And Louis says, take another one. That was too easy. And he takes 5'10 and tears his peck off. <laughs> Louis looks at me and I was like, you lost your mind. <laughs> I got to work tomorrow. I can't tear my peck off tonight. Jeez. Uh, All right. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I like that, too. What were, is there any things that stand out from the night crew? Like, looking back on it, like, geez, I didn't realize that that was a big deal, but it really was. We're all still friends. Yeah. Wow. I think we're a much closer group than the morning crew ever was. 
Yeah. It was uh, more, we helped each other more. The morning crew is more fight or flight. Yeah. And trying to, I mean, with Chuck in there and Don Dameron, it was trying to get everybody hurt. And, I mean, we even had George Helbert in our group for a while. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, he was in the afternoon for a while. Was that before he went up to the morning or did he, was from morning, did he go down or was, why was that? He, he, he I don't think he never, really, he never really trained that much in the morning because Kenny Patterson was in the morning and him okay. and Kenny were kind of. The rivals. Uh, he was in the four o'clock crew and then there was a seven o'clock crew started after a while where Todd Brock went to night shift. Okay. And Todd had Jerry Willoughby, Gabe Ryder, Todd Brock, uh, Rob Fuzner used to come in yeah. sometimes late at night. And so there was a crew that, at, that around after the four o'clock crew that couldn't make it at four because we meant four o'clock. And that I mean, the bar was loaded at four o'clock. And I mean, I, I was a union carpenter and yeah. there was many a time that I was warming up with my pants half off and one boot <laughs> on. And, you know what I mean? Because once the place started going up, you didn't take them off. And you walk in there and there's 315 on the bar, you're, you're getting under 315. And it was just absurd. So I used to sneak out of work early. And I mean, I got in all kinds of trouble at work trying to get to the gym on Friday night. <laughs> And was that a mentality that you instilled in the gym? You made sure that everyone lived up to that? I don't think a lot of, I didn't invent a lot of that stuff. It's what I experienced in the morning crew when I was in the morning crew. Yeah. One thing Lou told me about the morning crew, he came out one day, they were giving me a bunch of shit. And, uh, cause I was a 1300 pound totaler, you know? Yeah. And, uh, he go, Hey man, they're giving me a bunch of shit. And I said, yeah. I said, that's all right. I said, I, I get it. That's cool. And he goes, don't let them run you off. I said, they're not going to run me off. Yeah. You know, and uh, he says, that's good. That's good. That's good. But uh, they'd pr they probably would have killed me, <laughs> but they didn't. They wouldn't run me off. Um, is there any way you guys can go through kind of a sequence of the, we talk about the people who are in there, but the achievements of the lifters in the night crew and where they went that way. So we have some recollection of the people. Our best. Our lifter our, obviously was Dave Haas. Yeah. I mean, our, our claim to fame. Yeah, that's that is clearly, you know. Our goal was to get him to elite. Yeah. I mean, that was the goal of the gym was Louis really didn't want you around unless you were an elite lifter. Yeah. So that was kind of our goal to make sure that they their totals and their process of achievement, you know, was that they were trying to hit an elite total. We get them so strong then Lou would try and get them to go to morning crew like Joe Bales. And would you try to hold on to him? Or you I just let go them? wherever they want. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, it was Louis' gym. Yeah. And we would tell them that, you know, if once we saw they were getting stored. And he tried like hell to get Dave Hoff to go to the morning crew, and Dave was just refused. To, yeah. yeah. I think he went once, one time, just to appease the old man, and then came right back the next week. So I thought you were going to train in the morning. Not for me. Was, uh, did Louis used to crack up some of the stories? He said the death threats came from the night crew, the letters, all that. That used to make, but was there legitimate, like, not animosity, but was there a rivalry between the two crews? There was there was a time, I can't remember the me, but I think it was the Arnold Classic, where all the morning crew guys bombed, just about. And the couple night crew guys we had in there, Bales, Amy, Freddie Bolts, Bat, Big Matt, had great meets at that meet. Yeah. And we technically beat them. <laughs> and of course, that was the only meet that ever mattered to me, right? <laughs> so I never, I never stopped that bullshit with that. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, we also had Amy Weisberger. Yeah. Now, I love Amy, but she can be frustrating to train with. And uh, but she's clearly, in my opinion, the greatest female powerlifter 
in the history of the sport. Now you got Laura. Yeah. Before Laura, you had Tamara. Mm-hmm. You had Ruthie Schaefer. Remember Ruthie? Yeah. There's some great female lifters. Laura but, Dodd, Mariah Leggett. Sure, but Terry all Bilen. those lifters kind of everybody after Amy emulated Amy. Yeah. And uh, I, I I consider her my personal opinion the, the best female powerlifter in history. I'll tell you how strong she is. I want you to do a 405 reverse blue. But Amy and I were training. 330 bench. Amy and I were, (laughs) there was a small period of time when it was just me and Amy in the night crew. So we were working out. And she liked those kneeling squats, okay? So she gets in the rack. She was doing those, whatever I was doing. I was spotting her. So she gets up to a good weight. I go, okay. She's doing triples. I said, okay, this, this is it. She'll be done after this. She does three racks. I think I want to go up. I go, okay. Put some weight on. Now I'm getting really ready, okay? I, I know I'm going to have to take this off of her. She does. I, was, I think I want to go up again. She went up, I think, four, maybe five times from the point where I judged her to be ready to quit. Yeah. And she made them all. I think the last one, she got two. That's why she's so strong. First time Dave Hoff bench 900 in the gym, it was just me and Amy spotting. Amy holding the boards and me handing out, and we had no side spotters. And Dave took 900 off a two board. I looked at him. I said, you know you can't miss this. <laughs> uh, before we get into Dave, back to Was Amy always freakishly strong, or did that just develop over time? Her mindset- no, she didn't have that big of a total when she first got here. She just developed and just she was just— I think she's 1,000. Less than a thousand pound total. Yeah, she told me the other last Sunday when she's sitting in my car, and I can't remember now, but it was in the nines or something like that. Her total, and she just kept it was like a the train going up the hill that couldn't stop. I mean, she just kept <laughs> chugging along and not knocking off PRs, and she competed a lot. I mean, she would do you know three or four meets a year plus the worlds. Yeah, I see. I don't think a lot of people understand that. And she trained with men, and she trained like men, and we didn't yeah. give her any any. I mean. She didn't get any, you know, credit for being a girl. I mean, she was expected to try just as hard as everybody else. But lifters were developed here. They weren't. They didn't just come here strong. That was a big thing on the night crew. From talking with Lou and everyone there, is like people hone and got developed. As you said, you from the ground up. Oh yeah, and I mean, it, all those guys that came from Newark, half of them couldn't bench one thirty-five when they got here. Wow. And we that was a strong group of guys. Out, we turned out. I want to say there's yeah. three or four of them in that group that bench seven hundred or more. Mike and Brown came. That was, was before freak shirts. That was Mike with, Brown was uh, mentioned in the low fours. That was you know with just a denim shirt. And is it just consistency, like just good guidance and training hard and being there? It, it was a good atmosphere. It was fun. We all were having fun getting strong. Yeah. And that I was, was a, tearing stuff off left and right, but I was still <laughs> having fun. <laughs> I have to, is that story true of? Um, they tried to cut the bench shirt off you, and they cut you a bunch of times. And the analyst oh, yeah. was like, what the fuck happened to this guy? We were down guy? in uh, Charleston, West Virginia. It was the first time I benched 500, and I tore my right tricep off. And I was over there going like this, and Louie's changing his head because my arm's <laughs> creeping up. I had pretty big arms, and my arm's creeping up the back of my tricep. Yeah. Every time I moved my arm, it would hop up a little higher, and Louie's like, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> and he said, anybody got a knife? And it was like like a movie or something like that. It was like, whew, whew, all these buck knives come out and <laughs> Lee's over there trying to cut my stuff up and I got liniment in my eyes and I'm crying and 
And uh, <laughs> the paramedics show up and they come walking in and they're like, what, what, you know, what's wrong? And I was like, I don't know. They keep telling me my triceps tore off. I want to take another one. And Louis <laughs> like, you're not taking another one. Your triceps shot. And I was ready for a big deadlift that day too. Yeah. It was a push-pull meet. And my deadlift was on fire. Me and Bob Young's. Yeah. We're training to get, we've been competing. He was in the seven o'clock crew and I was in the four o'clock crew. We had become a little rivalry between the two of us, the Bobs. And uh, I was going to outpull his ass that day. And uh, like, <laughs> I couldn't deadlift or anything like that. And Jimmy Ritchie came over and gave me this handful of pills that I ate. And I don't think I remember <laughs> I was in my driveway in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> Yeah. The paramedics were like, you need to fill out some paperwork. I said, I didn't call you. <laughs> yeah. Find somebody that called you. I said, I'm not going with you to your shitty-ass mm. hospital either. I'm going to sport med in Columbus with Dr. Tesner. Yeah. Uh, when Lou was just telling that story, the paramedics were like, what the fuck happened to this guy? They're like, his trice was rolled up, and he has a hundred different yeah. scratch marks from well, life. Buck knife trying to cut me out of my shirt. Yeah. And that was a good shirt, too. I was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> that was that injured one that I had. But I was so jacked up for the bench. I mean, Mike Ruggiero was trying to handle me, and they forgot to put my strap my strap on on the bench. And I opened with 475, went out there and took it out of the rack, and it fell on me. And I was just like, ah, like that, and just hammered the thing. And I knew in my mind 500 was going to be a joke. Yeah. And the only thing I really ever wanted out of this whole sport, my whole career, was to bench 500. That's wow. that pretty was much it. was my golden egg. Yeah. And uh, – that was my opportunity time to do it. And just as I locked it out, I could hear my body. And my tricep was coming off my elbow. What year my my old elbow broke off, 99. Jeez. September, September too, 99. These, these shirts today, and I'm not, I'm not one of these lifters that complain about the gear. Yeah. If I was a lifter today, I'd wear the most jacked up shirt that would work for me. Yeah. I, I don't complain about that. But there's quite a big difference. A 500-pound yeah. bench press was a significant bench press. Thing. Yeah. Uh, where you know now it's it's not now currently, yeah. but it was back then. It definitely was back. Then. But back then, just all, all over strength, regardless of gear. Some of the most impressive things were the accessories, the bent, the dumbbells, extensions, the stuff that was done that wasn't at the meet. Was nearly there, there was a core group of drug free lifters, and, and I respect yeah. drug free lifting. I don't have I respect lifters. Yeah, that try hard. They got to. That's got to be. Those last two words have got to yeah. be in there before I respect them. But there was a core group of pretty good drug-free lifters, and I wasn't. I'm still not all techy about this kind of crap here, and yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> computers and cell phones and all this stuff. But they were running their mouth on a website called Go Heavy. I think it was. West Side's not strong. Blah 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 blah. So. I caught, got on there and called them all out. He said, you talk about raw strength. You know, it's it's all about being raw. I said, well, come. We train raw every day. Let's yeah. have a contest. You bring 10. We'll give you 10. You pick five exercises. We'll pick five. We'll add them up. Nobody ever called me. After, and I mean, this was a, like a juggernaut of these geeks on there running their <laughs> minds. Um, was there... Any impressive feats of strength that were done in the gym that you're like, I can't believe that person did? Oh, yeah. Tilt, when he fell down with like 1,200, I think it was. Was it 1,200? Tilt, Tilt fell down with 1,200 and stood up. And that, uh, who was the big Russian? Broke, his, an broke his ankle with 13-something. That was Jeez. pretty impressive. Yeah. It was a pretty, I mean, phenomenal accidents. <laughs> and really, I mean... 
for the amount of weights that were handled in the gym, it was a pretty safe environment. I mean, we were always pretty good spotters, so, yeah. and we were always looking out for each other. And I don't remember anybody ever go, leaving the gym in, a, in an ambulance. In an ambulance. Um, well, you walked in, you walked out, and you might hobbled out. But well, we have to thank all your guys' mm-hmm. generations before and after because as the training progressed, the injuries just well, we got less and less. We had five triceps and tear and off in one year, and between three different crews. I mean, Chuck Vogelpool tore his off doing a floor press. I tore mine off in a competitive bench in a, in a meet. Uh, Gary Benford tore his off doing a board press. Didn't Todd tear one? Sean McDonald tore his off doing dumbbell extensions. And Jed Willoughby tore his off, I think, doing a board press. And that was all in one year. And that was when the bands came around. And for some reason, the, tri- the, the, the tricep ligaments weren't keeping up with the, with the strength. And that's when Lou started, when he talked about the injuries gave him cause to, well, why is this happening? Yeah. And it was the ligaments. that's weird. And, I mean, five tricep tears. Yeah. I mean, no other tricep. I mean, I tore my bicep off right after I tore my tricep off. I tore my bicep off. Me and him were trying to figure out. Louis always thought that the bands were equal for everybody. Like, no. Well, I'm coming no. off a pin 22. <laughs> He's coming <laughs> off a pin six. Yeah. That's not the same. So me and Critter get this dumb idea one night to stack boxes up on the scale. So we stack all these boxes on the scale and do all the math, and we get the bar, and we lower it down, and I, he unhooks it, and I'm holding the bar like this. Yeah. <coughs> and uh, he, we would read down, we read the scale, and it was 300 pounds of tension for me where I was coming out. So he's like, all right, let's check it for me. Well, what we forgot to realize that when we unhooked it, it sank onto the scale. <laughs> so now the pins, the, the the hooks are right where the bar's at. Yeah. So he slams the bar shut. Well, when he does, I'm holding onto the boxes. And that 60-pound fucking squat bar comes <laughs> off the rack with 300 pounds of tension and hits me in the forearms. and just severs my bicep tendon in my left arm oh. immediately. I mean, it Jesus hurt like hell, God. and then it didn't hurt at all. And I go in, we have this little bathroom with one little mirror, and I'm in there, and I got this cut-off West Side sweatshirt that I wore all the time, and I'm over there cranking my arm like this, and yeah. it's going, and I see it going up. And he's like, are you all right? And I'm thinking, I don't think so. <laughs> and I had just gotten back from my torn tricep. I, mean, I had just gone back to work. I remember going home, and the old lady just being pissed. Well, I said thanks to you guys, the importance of ligament training came out of that. All those injuries created just cause for different training. Yeah. And so this... We started this, doing lots of high reps. Yeah. This last generation, I've been here about 12 years. I've seen four big injuries. And two of them were stuff that you could see they're going to get injured, but you just can't tell some people to do not to do stuff. But yeah. every generation of lifters contributed to the education. Yeah. So that was a big, big part of what everyone yeah, we're, did. We were mice. Where that's caused Lou, though. I mean, he would, he, would, he would say, hey, in the morning crew, we're doing this, this, and this. Won't you guys try this at night and see how you're how you're doing, and we'll see which ones which group is improving, which one isn't, you know. So it, it, injury prevention, a lot of that, you know, it's the way he thought about things. I can't remember not, not I, because it was about getting strong. You yeah, know, you can't get strong if you're hurt. Yeah, um, I may have said it to you when we talked the last time. I'm not sure if you know this, Bobby. Louis would run his ideas uh, past a physicist and an engineer mm-hmm. for thirty years. He, every week he was talking to these. So every they, they should bring these machines in and stuff and hook them up to the yeah. squat bar and stuff. Uh, but if nothing was chance, he would make it look like that he'd come up with this random exercise. You're like, what the fuck are you doing? But everything was always pre-prepared 
back at home. Well, he had a vantage too. Reading them Russian books he was reading, yeah. he was getting a lot of ideas out of that. Some of the ideas came from the original West Side Barbell. Yeah, but how Cumber many City. great lifters in the country call Louie? All of them. Yeah. So he's getting input from them too, you know, and he's discerning which what makes sense yeah. and what's really working and whether we wanted to try it here or not. Those, so he, he, he was a smart guy. Yeah. He knew where to borrow and where and where when not to borrow. The West Side lifters of these days have a distinct advantage from well, what sure. we had. Tremendous yeah. advantage. We were paving the road and they're just they're just driving cars down and out. Well, you guys created the books. Yeah. The books came from that, and with everyone else got to learn from the yeah. books. And you're the experiments. There's a lot of stuff that Louis has denied, and then you talk to people like that's not fucking like we did. A, Gary Sanger sent over a piece of paper of stuff they did. Um, they did plyometrics up the staircases until Doris is like, what the fuck are you guys doing? You can't do jumping up the stairs or jumping off the roof for depth jumps, all these things. And um, <laughs> Louis always said, well, I never wrote about the stuff that didn't work. Gary used to extreme. hang upside down with gravity boots. Remember gravity yeah. boots with the hooks on them? Yeah. And he could do, he could pull himself up and touch his ass to the bar upside down. Damn. Like an upside down squat. Yeah. Hamstring. Was it just hamstring power? That's how strong Gary's hamstrings were. Jeez. He's the only one I've ever seen do it. A lot yeah. of us tried it, but we'd get about this the little hops yeah. and stuff, and he would crank himself all the way up, and his ass would touch the bar. Damn. There was a really good 198 here. Maybe you could look him up. I don't know him personally, but his name was Jeff Corpenning. Oh, yeah, yeah. Really, really good lifter. And Came and was gone. And just just two years, quit. Two years, maybe. He dressed all in... American flag. I went to his apartment one time, and his whole apartment was American flags. Really? To the salt and pepper shakers on the table, to the <laughs> curtains, to the dishes, to the... He still has that store, doesn't he? He had a store downtown. That's what his business was. I don't know. He sold flags all over the world. What's amazing is how many war record holders that came from a neighborhood, everywhere there was, like were, were developed, like... They didn't just travel here and become. Yeah, that's a myth that people come here yeah. and that's how we get strong. That's bull crap. Yeah, our, was, really, our best all a bunch of West Side guys. Yeah, Ohio boys. What uh, what were some of the most important things you think Lou, outside of the gym, gave to you guys or advice or stuff that you're like, oh, like that's what makes this place and makes him so special. He would listen. He would ask you what you thought a lot. Yeah. And then he, if he didn't like it, I, I had a, I don't know if it was unique, but I was very comfortable with our relationship. We would argue. Yeah. And if I thought it was effing stupid, I'd just say, no, that's effing stupid. Yeah. And usually, usually about 90% of the time he was right. Yeah. I mean, well, we wouldn't let him know it all the time. I, I would never admit it. No. He used to tell me to bulk up every day when I left the gym. Hey, I'd turn around, I'd be what? He'd go, bulk up. Which is excellent <laughs> advice when you're about six foot six. Yeah, I came in the gym weighing about 239, and I've weighed as much as 311. Jeez. Actually, I weighed in at 308 when I tore my tricep off and bench 500 that year. Didn't get credit for it, even though I locked it out. But What do you think attracted people to the gym and to stay in there when there was no one is forcing you to stay in, but a lot of people found it very hard to ever leave. What do you think made it was that camaraderie? It's my family. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I mean, I'm closer to Gritter than my own, my own brother. I, I'd <laughs> say it's almost 
like a biker mentality. Yeah. You know, I'm club. not saying that we were mean, but it, yeah. it was we were a club. We were close. Sometimes and we had interclub rivalries and interclub personality Back malfunctions. At, but uh the, the difference is now. Back in the 80s and 90s, if you were in a bar fight and made a phone call and needed help, there'd be seven dudes come through the fucking door to be at your back. Yeah. Now, if you get in a bar fight, you better not a fight. Yeah. Because ain't nobody coming. Yeah. There's a, I wouldn't like that. It's too much of a me, me, me now. Yeah. Um, some of the stories of the old school bar fights were... Dude, we uh, fought every night. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Don Grotolo was telling a story that um, he'd have to work at the pizza parlor and he'd get done about 10 and Marcus and all that crew was out. By the time he would get dressed, get out, they'd already been arrested. Yeah. And he was like, what the fuck? He was point? always bailing us out of jail. Yeah. I was always bailing Matt out of jail and he was always bailing me out of jail. And that's how I met Matt Demmel. I'd gotten in a bar fight down at Papa Joe's and I had like four dudes had me pinned on a, in a booth. And I was getting my ass kicked. The next thing I know, they started, I could start seeing daylight and they were, the pile was getting lighter. And the next thing I know, there was this big Dennis the Menace looking motherfucker standing there. And he helped me up and he's like, you got a lot of heart. He says, but not much skill. And uh, the next day I started training in his basement. And that's how me and Matt met. And was, this is before Matt was at Westside? This is before there was a Westside. Okay. Um so you guys all came in, was it before Briggs or was that Larkham? I don't think the, the garage was called. I came I can't Morris. be for sure, but I'm pretty sure that the garage was not called Westside when I was first at the garage. Yeah. That came shortly after. Yeah. But there was a mirror of Black's Health World in the squat workout, in the squat rack on yeah. the wall. Where, yeah. You know, the original the, squat workout. I never realized the interconnections with Black's and Louie, that Louie did some meets for them. and Well, Black's was the, they were the. King Roosters at that before there even was a West Side when yeah. Louis was just starting a garage and had you know then there was a club in Dayton called Power Elite Larry Pacifico okay. Larry Pacifico had a club and then there was a club also in Cincinnati Perillo's um, wasn't it Perillo had a powerlifting team jeez Ohio could beat the rest of the country yeah. in a straight up which meet. is why Arnold I think started the Arnold Classic in Ohio was because of the giant amount of weightlifting that went on and all the records that were broke from Ohio lifters. Why Ohio? Was it because it just blue collar just, just happened to be that way? Back in the day, the, t the 220s, you would have John Black. Uh, um, Black's was a lot like West Side. Because me and Demo lived up there for a year and trained at Black's. Yeah. yeah. There, you could have five or six guys in the 220 class that could probably go one through five at the Senior Nationals. And that was mm -hmm. when going to the... The Nationals was a real meet. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was a real meet. You you had to have a qualifying total. It was a high qualifying total. You were pretty pretty good lifter just to get into that meet. Was the stories from Blacks true? Like, as they had strong guys, but it was crazy as crazy could be. Yeah. John Florio and Haas the Boss and Steve Wilson were nuts. Haas. I mean, there was a lot of pharmaceuticals that were done back in the <laughs> 80s. Uh and the way they trained was on Saturday, you did all three lifts. It was oh. a full day affair. You'd go in, we'd get there about 8.30 in the morning, mm. and you'd warm up, and you'd work up to a heavy single rep squat. Yeah. And then we'd go out to lunch, and we'd come back, and we'd work up to a heavy single weight bench. 
And then we go out in the parking lot and drink a couple beers and do a couple lines and come back in and work up to a heavy deadlift. <laughs> and then by the time you hit the showers, it was 7.30, 8 o'clock at night. And then we'd all go down to the Lions Pub where Haas bounced. And we'd have roast beef subs and we'd eat and drink and start partying. I mean, right, still have groove briefs on and be standing at the bar. And then Demo would go out and steal one of the Avengers motorcycles and he'd be out there. The story of Matt, he had a, one of the Avengers bikes. And he's at the light in front of the Lions pub and he's got his feet on the ground and he's got the bike just in fifth gear and he's and he's just melting the back tire and there was this huge black cloud of smoke and all of a sudden he just popped the clutch and he come out and it reminded me of the bat out of hell record where I mean, he's got these orange glasses on and he comes out on the back wheel out of this big cloud of smoke and just I mean just monster on a Harley yeah front wheel in the air <laughs> He'd bring the bike back, and the Avenger dudes would just, they didn't know what to say. They'd be all pissed off. <laughs> what, uh, was Matt always just crazy, but just yeah. stronger? Matt had an eighth grade education. Gotcha. But was he just, just brute strong from? First squat he ever did was a 500 pound box squat. Jeez. So I used to always tease him. I was like, yeah, you squatted 1,010. I said, but I couldn't squat 135, and I've squatted 600. So <laughs> who's stronger, me at 600 pounds <laughs> in my squat, or you that you know, only put 510 on yours? How did Lou get introduced to Matt? <laughs> there used to be a bar on the west side called the Dixie Electric Company. And Gary Sanger can probably confirm this story for you when you see him. But... We were, it was an early Saturday night, and there was this badass blonde standing at the bar, which ended up being Gary's wife. <laughs> and Matt used to have this pose that he call, I used to call where he would kind of turn sideways. Matt was a really wide, thick guy, and he would lean on the bar kind of sideways and could shadow, and he did it to many of people, and he would like start talking to your girl and just put his back to the dude. <laughs> and uh and reach over and grab dude's beer and, and take a sip you know what i mean and, i mean he was just did stupid shit like that where he just didn't care yeah and anyways i had seen the guy that was standing next to her and it was jacked up gary sanger who had gone to the restroom and i was like matt i said that dude's she's with this jacked up dude and he's like i don't give a fuck <laughs> and uh he starts talking to her and buying her drinks well gary comes walking back from the bar and he's like behind Matt trying to you know see his wife and I'm standing there going oh shit here we go and it ended up being a good conversation and he invited us to come train with Louie on Sunday so me and him got in his dad's old Ford F-150 and we had no idea where we were going and we thought we were lost by the time we got there because it was down an alley down an alley I mean you had to know where you were going to find Louie's garage yes yeah. there was no entrance off the front of the street you had to weave down all these alleys on the west side I'm thinking to myself, I mean, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> what was that experience like the first time? They that met? was the first time I met Lou. Uh, Gary came out in the alley and met us and took us in the gym and we trained together. And like I said, the, the bar had plates welded to it. Like I talk about in the original movie. Yeah. And uh, you had to warm up on the bench with 245. Jeez. Why was, was the reason it was welded? To he was a welder. Oh, okay. I don't know why. But it was the same bar we used to squat with. He did. There was no such thing as a squat bar back then. Yeah. You just forced yourself into the little bar, which I still can't to this day. I was, Sunday, I was, they were we were doing shoulder presses, and I tried to get into it and see if I could squat a regular bench bar. And I mean, I still can't get in there, and I'm small now. At least, I mean, 
there were some big numbers done with bench bars in the squat. Yeah. Do you think there was a difference in the environments going from the garage to Briggs to Demarest, like to the different venues, or did that not matter? The garage was really quiet and gloomy. It was almost kind of. I think I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, I was 17 years old, so I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> um, Matt and Lou hit it off right away. Yeah. I mean, Louis saw something in Matt. I think immediately. Yeah. And uh, there we there it went. Yeah. And then we just got ended up getting too many people in the garage, and that's when Louis got us our first. I want to say Briggs was the first. They were in a fish market. I mean, for a few, for a few, there he jumped around to different small little buildings. Yeah, I, I know there was Briggs. There was Demarest. I think that was the old fish market. market. Was Briggs? Because one, there's was, a pet shop beside one. Yeah, Lou told me that he liked the Demarest gym and the Demarest training vibe the best. Yeah, of any place he'd been. He said it was just the perfect size it to was. where you had one track in, so you had the bump off people. It just gave that. It was. That, it was, it was, it was yeah. by far my favorite place to train. Because when I first came here, he tried to keep everyone to one side, especially for the main lifts. He didn't want people to be able to hide in the corners. Yeah. Um, yeah, I told him, I, I said, man, I wouldn't get that other side over there. Man. We don't need it. He said, well, we, all we need it now. All I've got some plans. Now. I said, no, we don't need it. His equipment went crazy. Yeah. He's got some stuff over there that's just rocket science. Yeah, yeah. Some he, of them hamstring machines he's got are just off the hook. I wish that stuff would have been around when I was in my prime. But the it came because of you guys. I mean, everything comes from trial and error and experience. And then that's what made Lou so special is that he accessed his brain. He remembered every training day. I, I don't know how he... And he got frustrated because he thought everyone could remember the yeah. date, the number. And you're like, dude, I, I can barely do basic addition. And he's... Converting oh, kilos to pounds. I'd be on the calculator and he'd have a converting goes, Why the fuck are you so slow? He'll he'll remember lifts I did at meets and I can't. Yeah. You know. I don't know how he does it. The uh the chalkboard was put because Jimmy Seitzer kept telling numbers and Lou said that's not right. And Jimmy goes, That is right. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So the chalkboard came in, it was to call bullshit on Jimmy so he couldn't lie about Change numbers. Of, number. Yeah. That I was, was already the, up when I got to the garage. Yeah. That was, that was yeah. already hanging on the wall. That was yeah. over at Demaris and Bobby, Jimmy, and I, Jimmy Richie, we took it over there and hung it where it's at now. Yeah. yeah. The um it's just that, a, that needs to go to the Hall of Fame. Oh that that, that board that well, chalkboard needs to go up to the Hall of Fame. It's getting framed here. We got a uh a badass patina steel frame going around it so no one can touch it and so it gets locked in I, there's rumors there's stuff wrote in the back of the board too you know the way you have full remember that. i don't remember seeing anything on the back but um i remember being a nervous wreck driving it over here in the back of grits pickup i don't think there's <laughs> anything on the back is it not i don't think so bobby and jimmy Ritchie and i found it so i don't i don't remember anything like that um, i just know it, you know for a lifter like me it was just kind of an average maybe a little above average lifter get my name on that board yeah to me was the whole culmination of my entire career at Westside. yeah even even though i got erased uh it was and it, you know i told how long Lou, was it up there huh how long was that up there 
was up there about two years. I traded with Jerry Schwanker a couple times. And That's then right. I was up there for... You and, you and Jerry were battling back and forth. Yeah, that. we swapped it back and forth. But uh, a great West Side lifter. Lou and I talked about this one time. He said, who owes us the most weight? I said, I can tell you who owes us the most weight. It's Joe McCoy. Yeah. Joe McCoy owes us hundreds of pounds. Joe McCoy was the only lifter in America at the time that could have beat Jesse Callum. Yeah. And Jesse Callum can beat anybody, you know. So I said, yeah, uh, Joe McCoy, without question, owes us the most weight. But uh, Joe had the record. And after taking shit from those guys in the morning crew, when I erased <laughs> Joe's name, of course, I was incredibly obnoxious after that. <laughs> and then uh, some six, eight months later, Jerry, uh, Jerry Swanker, a great lifter, yeah. a, a really good bodybuilder, by the way, came and he, he bumped me. I bumped him again, then he bumped me, then I bumped him again by a pretty good margin. I had it for about a year. And then a, a lifter you may have heard of him, George Halbert, decided to lose weight, went down <laughs> to 198 and, and took my 585 to 630 in one meet. I never got back on. <laughs> When your name got taken off, were you equally as proud that someone in the club was strong enough to come Hell and do no, that? I want to beat them. There you go. Yeah. I'm not jealous of their lift. I just, yeah. I just got to get busy. Yeah. And Schwanker and I, we enjoyed that. I mean, it was, it was cool to have somebody that's not like George yeah. putting it so far out of reach that, well, at, at 635 is just not in the cards for me. Yeah. But maybe I shouldn't have had that attitude. I don't know, but I had a lot of physical issues going on. But uh, yeah, I, I really liked those years. Did you guys have strategy at meets? Like for numbers to go to make sure. You always have an eye. I think everybody has a target oh, yeah. what they'd like to do. Yeah. Who said I was too greedy? Second attempt was a PR. That's the way I used to set my guys up. When I, yeah. used, if I handled you, I wanted you to do an easy opener, something we could do if you fell down. And then the second attempt was a five pound PR. And then after that, it's whatever was in the cards. How did you become such a good handler? Was it just experience? Well, what made because like you're renowned for the the back room. Because anytime you go into a back room, you know, West Side and you were there. Uh, hey, I never missed a meet. Mm -hmm. um, you watched what was going He knew. I just had a knack for it. I started handling Matt Demmel. Uh, and then I just, just people started coming up and asking me, and I just started getting good at it. I mean, I could wrap some knees fast. I, I, we were at the Texas, uh, went to Dallas, Texas one year for the seniors. And I handled like 11 people at one time. Jeez. I pretty much wrapped the whole team. <laughs> I started in the morning with the girls. I mean, Amy be knocking on my door. Yeah. Come on, let's go to breakfast. You got to wrap me. <laughs> and I mean, I'd work my way all the way up through Gritter's crew and I'd be out there wrapping the supers and I'd be, and then Louis started loaning me out. Did you wrap everyone the same way or did you know what everyone wanted? I wrapped it the way I wanted to wrap. I mean, I had just the way I did it, and that's yeah. the way me and Matt had come across the way that it worked for Matt, and that's the way I made. I had a crisscross thing that I did with. I start three on the bottom, and I'd go up, and then I'd crisscross the rest of it. And I mean, for some reason, I'd always tie you off with a knot right behind your kneecap that you could sit on in the hole. And did you just, did you just come up with that just from Matt? And then uh, I wrapped Dave Hoff for his early years, and then Dave started wrapping himself. He didn't like the knot in the back. He wanted yeah. to tie it off on the top, which he he set up his whole whole yeah. thing, wrapping his own knees until he got too big to bend over. 
And then his wife or his girlfriend started rapping him. Yeah. Um, but I rapped Jesse. Jesse Kellum used to come find me at the Arnold Classic. Geez. And I would be in a political thing between because he's competing <laughs> against Chuck. You know what I mean? I'd go over and I'd ask Chuck, and I'd be like, you know, but this time Joe Bayless was rapping Handel and Chuck, and I'd go over and ask Chuck, you don't mind if I rap Jesse, do you? And, I mean, I'm kind of, you know what I mean? <laughs> Jesse would buy me dinner, give me T-shirts, you know what I mean? And just, yeah, it was just, just an honor. Uh, but I rapped his biggest squad of all time. Handing out the bench. How did you learn? Because there's I was so, tall. There's so many ways to hand out benches here. Like the way Louis used to hand out a bench, you were, it was gone. And then I was tall and I yeah. had a big, strong upper back and I could ease them into your hands. And then I'm the one that started the three man handout. I pretty much take credit for that one with Hoff because we got to a point where I couldn't. We were at a meet in Tennessee and yeah. David bench 760 and he decides to jump to 800. Matt Smith comes over and gets my ear and he's like, "You want me to? You, you want me to hand this one out?" And I was like, "Fuck no!" So, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. we're gonna. To me, eight hundred was huge because yeah. I, I watched Anthony Clark do the first one. Yeah. So when the kid that I'm handling is going to bench eight hundred, yeah. it just became crazy. Yeah. And I was like, if I can't do it, I'm, I can't do it. I, we're going to wreck together. The and that fucking thing just come. He was so fucking jacked up. I think he took it himself. Well, onto. Neutron to Hoff. Because I handed out 975 on his first 3,005 total. I handed out 975 two times in a row by myself with no sides found. Our, we, we get there. We would always train in the gym with a certain three-man crew. Mm-hmm. And then we go to the meet, and for some reason, the two guys on the side wouldn't show up. So I'd find myself in the warm-up room trying to find people that, could, that I thought I could trust enough to do a three-man handout with yeah. me and not screw it up. And you know, I mean, and get the bar all tippy toppy and shit yeah. like that. And we were at the three thousand five total meet in York, Pennsylvania. Uh, Dave didn't Dave didn't even know, know I was coming. Yeah, I surprised him, and because uh, I had retired. Yeah, and uh, he's like, "You got to hand it out to me." And I was like, "Dude, I mean, I was like down to two fifty seven, yeah. and I was like, I don't think I can fucking hand out." I mean, eight, I remember eight sixty in the warm up room being just a motherfucker. Yeah, and uh, I had. Two guys on either side, and it just wasn't working. And he says, so what are we going to do? And I said, I got you by myself. And you just figured it out. And we just, it's on video. Uh, what made Huff so, was he always that strong from day one? He, he always had that potential. Huff played, well, Grove City played offense and defense at the same time. He never came off the field. He was an exceptional athlete. Yeah. And Travis Fletcher called me one night. And said, I got this teenager because Travis trained these kids in the back of a dance studio. And he said, I got this kid that just pulled 600 off pin one and he wants to meet Louis Simmons. And I was like, well, Wednesday night we bench, sent him on in. Yeah. And Taylor showed up on this little Jap bike and, you know, I mean, his hair all slicked back, which is where Jimmy Ritchie named him Neutron. <laughs> and because uh, he had a haircut, like, remember yeah. the Neutron cartoon? Yeah. He looked just like that fucker when he come out, when he took his motorcycle <laughs> helmet off, his hair was all pushed back and his, like, shooting straight out the back like it was on fire. And uh, he came in the gym and bench 400, I think, that first workout with a shirt. Jeez. Took him to his first meet, and he took Kenny Patterson's all-time teenage world record and fucking took it from two inches to lockout. That was his first bench meet. So yeah. at that point, the kid was already, I mean, here is his first meet, and he's, he's tapping on Kenny Patterson's teenage world record's front door. And then we went to a full meet, 
and he totally elite. Uh, first, first full meet, he totally elite. I th that's just amazing. He was just a uh, he had perfect form, and the kid listened like he, he listened to anything you told him. Do you have form off the bat, or do you have to work with him on it? Oh, not, very much. not very much. He could. Uh, he had the flexibility. He could push his knees out. He could. He was, he was always upright. Yeah. I can remember he dumped the bar on the box one night, and Gritter went off on him. He's, I can't remember. It wasn't even that much weight. Remember that? And Gritter's like, "That's a seven hundred dollar bar. God damn it! Blah 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 blah." And I don't think the kid ever dumped a bar again. Yeah. He hung right in there with it. I said, "We will spot you. <laughs> yeah. You don't dump the bar." Never drop a bar. No. Big Russ Barlow came in at the. You, I think you were there. He came. Lou had sent all these geeks to, to over here to work out with us <laughs> when during the Arnold Classic. Okay. Yeah. Big, big sore spot with me. But Russ Barlow is not a geek. Yeah. He, he's a really good lifter. Super, super good guy. But we were over there, and I'm highly agitated at this point because there's all kinds of these geeks and, <laughs> and people coming in watching us like we're cattle at the county fair, you yeah, know. I feel like Stallone and Rocky. So I'm sitting there. I'm trying to squat. We got some big fat kid that, that whole other story, dropped that bar on me at the Nationals when I was there. Knocked the monolith over on me, dropped the bar on me. Same fat kid. Okay. So I'm over there aggravated with him and, and Jimmy and I, this three, we're trying to squat and I hear this, boom! And somebody just dropped the deadlift bar, you know? And I just exploded before I even knew it. I gotta be, gotta be honest, if I had known it was Russ, I'd have, I had a little bit of grace for him, you know? <laughs> but I started yelling, you mother effer, you know, yeah, blah, 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 pick that up. And the next thing I know it's Russ and he says, I'm sorry, Gritter. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Dude, I'm so sorry. I'll never drop it again. Blah, 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 blah. So I said, all right, all right, okay. So went back to my problem that I was currently involved in. Then when he's ready to go, he comes up to me, Gritter. I'm so sorry about dropping that deadlift bar. Because it wasn't always that we had our endless supply of bars. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we had certain bars that you use for certain things, and if the fucking thing got bent, you know, oh, yeah. with a bent it's bar. It's a big deal. Yeah. And, and to bar. have it break right there while I'm in there. So when Louie bought us a bar, no. we would yeah. take good care of it. Yeah. When I mean, he comes over, he says, like it was our own. To, to show you how much I appreciate it, I cleaned your bathroom from top to bottom. <laughs> and it only get, at that time, it was only getting cleaned about once every two or three couple oh. months. He, he, it was spotless, the floor and everything. <laughs> he put wax on the floor and the whole nine yards. Uh, yeah, good guy. But yeah, Dave Haas is just exceptional, period. He's one of those few people. Yeah, I, he, I would, he would come up with numbers, because I remember we were sitting in the gym after the Arnold Classic. Gary Franks had just totaled 2,800. And Hoff looks at Gritter and says, I'm going to be the total, first one to total 3,000. And Gritter said, I'll bet you my heating and cooling company that you can't total 3,000. <laughs> and they shook on it. And I can remember, didn't I? I called yeah. you where I'm out in New York, and I called Gritter. His junior's getting ready to – Donnie Thompson has got me down at the scores table holding my hand. Yeah. Because he, he, junior's getting ready to break his 3,000-pound total. Yeah. And uh, 
I'm calling Gritter on the phone going, hey, you better get that paperwork for the Indian <laughs> Cooling Company out. And he goes, what are you talking about? And I was like, Hoff's getting ready to pull 820 for 3005 And Gritter's like, no shit. And I was like, no shit. You guys shook. I was good. Oh, jeez. And Donnie's sitting there holding my hand about ready to break it. And I'm like, would you settle down? <laughs> I mean, that's how just how good of a guy Donnie is. I mean, he wanted Junior to pull that three thousand five yeah. more than Junior wanted to pull it. Yeah, um, and he pulled it easy and just started talking shit and hanging out at the bar and letting everybody take pictures. And that's not that, the one that was in New York. New York, right? New York. Yeah. yeah. What? But of all the West Side lifters, I'd rather watch Chuck Vogel pull than anybody. Yeah. Why made Chuck so special? He, he, dude, he is special. He was. Yeah. He was. Don't you he, know that by now. Yeah. He was a definition of a, a definition yeah. of adrenaline. Yeah, he 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 is. A when he would get lifter. fired up, I mean, it just you couldn't help. I mean, if you're an athlete, you couldn't help but get fired up with him. Yeah. Was he that tenacious in training? Was that just? Oh yeah. Chuck? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But when I, the I when the weights got that. big and the crowd got loud, Chuck would go to a different level. Yeah. I mean, he would just come out. He was like fucking like a superhero. He uh, he came back from that neck surgery, was in that neck brace and all that stuff, yeah. you know. And he come back. He, he shows up at night one night, and he was off work for a long time. Cigarette, I'm gonna do the West Side meet. He said, I'm gonna do it at 198. I'm gonna come tonight and train with you guys because because I'm not. This is what got me because I'm not very strong right now. <laughs> <laughs> so he's gonna come and train with us and uh, get in there and. You know, when I started doing U-turns in the parking lot and going home. (laughs) When I started doing U-turns in the parking lot and going, no, no, I'm not ready for that tonight. So I do a U-turn and go fucking right back on the highway and go back to Newark. People (laughs) walking the wild. Respected him so much that whatever he said you would do. And I I did too when I first, you know, was going in the gym. I'm not squatting tonight. They're over there doing belt squats. So I got in line. We were doing them. And I went, worked up to what I knew was a good manageable weight for me. You know, this is just accessory work. And he said, now we're going to go to failure. I said, I'm not going to failure. He goes, yeah, we're going to go. We're going to keep going up. We're going to go to failure. I said, you can wipe these guys out if you want to on a Monday. I said, I'm not going to failure on this. (laughs) I got a squat on Friday. Everybody that jumped in that, Mike Malone, Sonny, uh, whoever all was there, they came in, they could they couldn't squat their ass off of the toilet. You know? They were broken. They, he, they broke, were, he broke the whole four o'clock crew in one workout. He completely <laughs> broke them down. And I, I had a decent workout. So i I'd seen that story. I've been involved in that before. You can't you can't train with him. Well he tied me to the power rack when I tore my tricep off. My first Wednesday in the gym. I come back in the gym on a Wednesday just to hang out with the guys and Chuck's in there. What the? F- I mean, I pull up and see his truck. I knew better than to go in, but I went in anyways. Figured if I could get some sympathy from Chuck, you know what I mean? I'm on the right trail of healing. And he's like, oh, good, you're here. And I was like, I'm just here to watch. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. Come over here and lay down. And he tied me my brace to the power rack with a fucking knee wrap and handed me a fucking 80-pound dumbbell and said, do a set of 10. I was like, I don't I get a warm-up. <laughs> and he's like, nah, you'll be all right. And then he come walking in one time. And Ch- remember when Chuck had me doing reverse deadlifts? I had the bar behind, behind my Behind your back, yeah. He had the bar behind my back, and I'm doing pulls and pulling it, trying to pull it past my glutes. Yeah. And he opens the glass door and looks in, <laughs> and closes it, <laughs> and goes over and grabs some ice cream or something. <laughs> it, you just saw from the tapes that it was just 
100% intensity, everything he did. But I I didn't know if he was like that all the time. Yeah, he is. It was just like he was like that when we go out to eat. Really? He'd come get me when we'd go out of town and stuff. He'd same thing. He'd knock it on my door. Come on, Cole, let's go eat. Competitive. And he would sit down and he would start ordering you food. And you know, I'd order like pancakes and hash browns. And the next thing I know, I got omelet coming and something else. And I was like, "Where'd that come from?" And he's like, "Well, you got up to PI, ordered you some more." He says, "You need more food." <laughs> we'd go to hometown buffet when he was doing a speed work with us on Sunday mornings. He was in our speed work group for a while. It was me and him and Jimmy Ritchie and. Matt Smith and Travis Fletcher and Dave Hoff. And we'd go down to the hometown buffet that used to be right down here at the mall. Yeah. And it would be a two-hour fiasco. I mean, we'd drink nine chocolate milks. He could eat. Be, I mean, and and you get done, and you get done yeah. and you clean a plate, and you go to sit back, and you go, aren't you going to get another plate? I don't know, Chuck. I'm kind of full. I'm just <laughs> eating six. Oh, come on, man. He'd pick you up out of the chair and drag you over to the buffet and start putting fried chicken on your plate and stuff here, <laughs> here, wash it down with these mashed potatoes and gravy and get some chocolate milk on the way back. So everything was a competition. Everything. Yeah. And that only worked for him. Was there anyone else who could hang with Chuck? There ain't nobody can hang. There's nobody in this country that could hang with him. You pretend like you could, you know what I mean? Yeah. Eating wise, but even then you were hiding shit underneath the table and when he wasn't looking, <laughs> flipping it. And was did that make Chuck's lifting so special that he could do that 100% intensity all the time and still do everything else? Yeah. I'd say he he, he would get intense cutting the grass. <laughs> It's just the way he's built. Yeah. There's very few people like that. He drank a lot of coffee. He always had a big, large UDF coffee in his hand. Yeah. He, he seemed, uh, anytime I talked to him, very smart in training too. That he knew what he needed to do. He knows his body extremely he well. He was smart for himself, but yeah. to train with him was a good way to get hurt. I, I do not think, just like I would not say it's a good idea to train exactly the way Dave Hoffs does. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily a good idea to train exactly the way Chuck does. Yeah. They're two extremely gifted individuals. That's one thing about Westside. And Demo was too. I mean, Demo, Demo was. was. Demo yeah. was and the we same had way. a lot of those guys. Yeah. But here's the key thing about Westside. I'm not special, okay? I'm not special on any level, and I had a top five squat, a top two bench at one time, and a top five total. Mm -hmm. I am just a, slightly above average. This training methodology that Lou came up with works for everybody. It, just a, a training system that can only work for one or two people yeah. is not going to be very special in my mind. It worked for everybody that worked it hard, mm -hmm. you know, that, that really put 100% effort into it the way they're supposed to, I don't know anybody that didn't succeed at it. Yeah, I don't know a single person that failed at it. By the time Hoff got there, it was like the yellow pages. I mean, it was we'd worked all the kinks out of it. Yeah. So all he did was I didn't allow him to compete in the gym. Back in the 90s, it was a giant competition between us. I mean, it was always 10 pounds more and... You know, I mean, it wasn't you're doing your own thing. You were ended up doing somebody else's thing, and that's how a lot of us were getting hurt. Yeah, I didn't allow Dave to compete like that. When the, the workout was over, he did accessories or he snuck out the front door. Was that hard to do to keep the shield him from that? No, because he came to me for everything. I was like his father. Yeah, for some reason he just wouldn't leave me alone. Thank God he did. Because look where he ended up. I mean, he's, st for him. he's still yeah. going. 
I mean, he, I talked to him the other day. He wants a total of thirty-one fifty. His second attempts are thirty-one fifty. It's amazing. Well, and two, he just has to put it. He hasn't had a chance to put it together yet. When when he does, it's going to be special. I've never met someone outside of Lou who put the numbers in their head. He did eleven like, eleven twenty-seven off a two board three weeks ago. That's crazy. He's and he just benched ten fourteen at a WPO meet down in Florida and missed eleven oh seven. I never realized how explosive Hoff was until he came in one morning to speed squat with some of the morning crew guys, and he made everyone look like they're going in slow motion. Yeah, like that's how explosive. And Louis told me he could jump. He could jump. He jumped up on jump up on a fucking fifty some inch box in yeah, Carhartt's and work boots. boots. Yeah. You know the, the the pulley thing over there with the plate on it that goes up to the ceiling? Oh, yeah. He got on that thing one night and grabbed the rope and pulled himself all the way up to the bar joist. A week before me. Yeah. I said, what are you doing up there? Get your fucking ass down before you break a leg. <laughs> I mean, put himself on the plate, stood on a 45-pound plate, and just grabbed the rope and up it went like an elevator. Yeah. I'd never seen anybody try to do anything stupid like that. And he was all the way up there. I said, get the fuck down here. He's like, hey, Kyle, look at me. And I was like, Jesus. So outside of Lou sending people into the evening crew, did you guys recruit people in or is there anyone there who brought people in? I brought half in Newark. Half yeah, he, he brought Josh in. How would you find him? The- Josh was in the, I was, there was a YMCA that was right down the street from my house that had a pretty nice little weight, weight room. Yeah. And I had taken chains in there and uh, we hadn't, bands hadn't come around yet. And there was Jim Dannison I had met, was in there, was a fairly strong bencher, and me and him started talking, and uh, Josh was a 17-year-old high school kid standing over in the corner, and I was doing pushdowns. And he said, uh, he says, man, he said, you got some pretty big arms. And I was like, well, you're never going to have any sitting over there watching me. <laughs> I said, get over here and do a set. So he came over and did a set, and my car was in the shop. And I was like, you got a pickup truck? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, I got three of us that need a ride to uh, Columbus on Sunday to bench. He said, well, who all is going? I said, me, Jim Dennison, and you. And he was like, I've heard of that place. I was like, well, I'm going to take you there. I said, but I need a ride. And as long as you can pick me up at my front door and take me to fucking <laughs> Sunday to the west side, I said, you can train with me. And that's how that started. And how did the rest? Because there was all big. Well, he Newark brought in. Then they Joe were friends, and Joe, and Joe Bayless. And then Joe Bayless had a friend named Tim. Tim Harold. And then Zach Cole. And they were just all. There was two, three little gyms out there in Newark. And yeah. we just started pulling the better lifters out of them. And they were they, just, were they, were they, they were just average lifters when oh, they got to Westside. Tim Harold was huge. Tim right Harold was almost 500 pounds. Oh, yeah. I think he was over 500. Because um, that video he's in, he makes the monolith look small. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. and then I think there's a picture between. He was a monster. Tim and Mike Ruggiero. And Mike is a very big guy. And you're like, wow. Just seeing the, the difference oh, yeah. between the two of them. He always looks straight at the floor when he's squatting. I would get up behind him and grab him by his chin and pull his head back, <laughs> trying to get him to lift his head up. He was a monster. Joshua Lee weighed. Probably 240 when he came to the gym, and he ended up weighing three, yeah, three, three, 360. 360. Wow. He got big. But we had uh, Jed Willoughby. Jed Willoughby came from Newark. Uh, he was another had, one. Uh, Mike Brown didn't come from there, but he was a 
pretty pretty key person in the night crew for a while. Was he pretty young? Yeah, he was very young. He ended up having a... Got a girlfriend and quit. Terrible broken arm. uh, Yeah. Junior Nationals in Iowa. Snapped his arm at 760 or something like that. in there. Ruptured. Just never came back after that. Um, He came back like speed work-wise. He was still explosive, and he still had a pretty decent squat, but his bench just never... He never had any confidence in his forearm to hold it after that. And everyone would drive over for every training day? Yeah. 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 I didn't come up on Sundays. I, I got a full gym behind my house. Yeah. A lot of them ended up being in that 7 o'clock crew. A lot of them ended up in the 7 o'clock crew by the time they could get there from Newark. So there was three crews at that stage. At the, at the, at, after, after we moved to this new gym where it is now, we ended up with three crews. Yeah, we had, well, we had, what's his name too, Chester. That night crew. Yep. Late John crew. Stafford. John Stafford. As Todd Brock. Jerry Lou tells Willoughby. me one time, he goes, at Stafford. He says, they're not, they're, not, they're not training hard. He was all bent out of shape. He says, I want you to stay and watch them squat. So, okay. So I'm sitting there and, you know, everybody's gone yeah. from the four o'clock group, which is really four, five, six. So about eight thirty, nine o'clock, here comes Stafford and uh, Hoff's brother, Aaron, Aaron, and a couple other guys. And he goes, what are you doing, Grit? And I said, I'm here to watch you squat. Oh, you're not watching us squat. I said, yeah, I am. I said, I'm set right there on that box and watch every one of them. <laughs> He goes, what are you watching? Are you spying on us? I said, you could probably call it that, but it's not really spying. The spying is secret. I'm sitting right out here in the middle watching you do it. He goes, well, I'm not squatting if you're going to stay. And I said, well, I'm going to stay tonight, and I'll stay every Friday night till I see you squat. And uh, he goes, you're, you're an ass. And I said, well, yeah, so what? And I said, why, do, why would I even be asked to watch you squat? Yeah. I said, you want Lou to come watch you squat? <laughs> and he squatted, and he was stronger than crap. And looked, his, his form was always really good. There was no problem there. Did Lou come into the evening crew much? The evening crew? Yeah. Yeah, everyone's yeah. there. Oh, he'd come in on squat night and run his mouth and get me all jacked up. If he did something really ex- exceptional or something in the morning, then he would come in and, come in and brag. brag about it. <laughs> Yeah. And then it would be a month we wouldn't see him. Ain't good, and you guys look like shit. Blah, 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 you know, <laughs> same old stuff. He didn't come in a lot after day. When Dave started getting really strong, Louie yeah. kind of started parting ways with us. It was really hard to get him to come in and watch Dave do anything. Why do you think that was? Just to leave Dave do his own thing, or because Dave just didn't really ever listen to Lou. He gotcha. always wanted to listen to me, and I would try to get him to listen to Lou, and. I would have to go over, and I mean, me and Lou had had many conversations and arguments about Dave. Yeah. But I would always take whatever advice Lou gave me and try to work it in somehow, even if I had a trick, Dave. Gotcha. Dave pulled a, uh, we were at the, we, we went to the Worlds one year by ourselves, just me and Dave, and uh, all the way out to York, uh, York, Pennsylvania. And Dave pulled a real hard 755, five-pound PR deadlift, and I mean, it seemed like it took 10 minutes. And he was pissed off all the way home about it. And I asked him, I said, give me three of your workouts that you hate the most on Monday. And he told me. And I tricked him. 
And I said, well, that's what we're doing from now until the Pro-Am, which was Louis' meet down in, yeah. down there in, by Cincinnati. And so we did those for the next six weeks. We did these Benovers good mornings, which I would hold my fingers out and make him tell me. He'd make him look through his legs and tell me what how many <laughs> fingers I had out. I mean, I'd make him go all the way over. And yeah. he, has, he, has, he has the spine deficiency. Nobody much knows that, Dave. He has scoliosis in the spine. That. His oh, doctor told him he should never even squat. I mean, he's one person that should have never been a squatter, and here he's one of the greatest of all times. Did not know that. Yeah. And uh, Zercher squats, Ben Over Good Mornings, and uh, Red Bar, Jerry O's, we used to call him. We did those. We alternated them for six weeks. Yeah. We went to the Pro-Am, and Dave pulled 800 like an empty bar off the floor and shocked the world. I mean, the place went crazy. Yeah. And even he didn't know that he was going to do it. And Louie came over, and he says, where did that come from? And I told him, I said, I picked the three exercises that he hates to do the most and made him do them for six weeks. That's awesome. Yeah. And then, I mean, his deadlift was only, I think his best pull now is only 840. And that's been 12, 14 years. It's crazy we have to say it's only 840. That's, that's something he, I think Dave could have pulled 900. Yeah. But Dave now always used a deadlift for a total. Yeah. And his squat became so cumbersome. And then his bench. I mean, when you're squatting 12 and benching over 1,000, you don't need a big deadlift yeah. to total to win. Well, I, I think he got lazy in the deadlift. But I've seen him pull 900 with straps. I couldn't believe uh, I watched Aaron deadlift. Oh. Aaron's his, his technically, yeah, his, his form is... Aaron, Aaron's explosive. Yeah. I mean, that, that whole Hoff family, I don't know what it is about him, but even the younger brother that doesn't even lift weights is fairly strong. And if they got into, I'm surprised. Good genetics. Yeah, they didn't get into the, sure. like, football. Like, and his dad's football. a tiny little guy. I mean, his dad, if you met his dad, he's mm -hmm. a little short dude. Really? Yeah. Um, Vietnam vet. What, uh, was Jerry O, was he evening or morning? Or he, he bounced, he, he trained with uh, Waddle at noon a lot. Yeah. Many years. He came at night some. He's another one of those guys like Dave that just got insanely strong doing things that nobody else did. Yeah, I started training Jerry O when he was 12. Really? Yeah, Sports Connection. I met him at a racquetball. It was a gym that was on a part of a racquetball uh, club over off of Henderson Road. Yeah. And me and Greg Mack were in there, and there was this kid over there training, and he was jacked up. And I was like, look at that fucking kid over there. And he was eighth grade. And we went over and started helping him. Yeah. And then uh, he came back around when he was about 16, 17. He kind of popped back into the gym arena. And I yeah. met him at World's Gym, ran into him at World's Gym. And me and Demel were in there doing our accessories. We used to train at Westside and then go to World's Gym over by my house and do mm -hmm. Me, him, and Chuck used to go there and do, like, leg press, stiff-legged deadlift supersets. And I mean, all kinds of crazy Stupid shit on by ourselves behind Louis's back, and uh, he happened to be in there one night, and I hooked him up with Matt, and he started training. Matt had a gym back then too. Yeah, he started training with Matt at his gym. Because um, he seems to know a lot of people or bring in a lot of people who shouldn't come in and out. But he did. He found Tony Ramos. I guess was one of the. He brought two people in that stuck: Matt Smith yeah. and Tony Ramos. Tony. I saw him at this little thing we had on Saturday, and he, yeah. he was telling me that how mean I was to him when he came and everything. 
and, and I said, you got to realize where I was coming from. I said, Jerry O brought you in. Jerry O would bring a, a crack whore in to, to train, you know? Just to have a ride to the and, gym. And I said, I saw so many of these freaking people come in here that had no business being in the building. And I said, I just didn't give you any any grace at all, dude. I just did. I just thought. And Tony ended up being fairly strong. Oh, he's yeah. really strong. I'm really happy that he came. Yeah. And same with Matt Smith. But same thing with Matt Smith. I thought. If Jerry brought them in, I thought they weren't worth a crap. Yeah. All right. I didn't give them any time at all. And I was probably pretty snotty and everything because he would bring all these freaks in all the time that just had no business being in there. Jeez. I'm, I'm right, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're totally correct. And even Jerry O had a terrible training. Terrible yeah. training. He didn't do any accessory work. He did all main exercises and then leave. Hoff was the same way. Hoff didn't know what a reverse hyper was. Yeah. I mean, who, I mean, the core that he's built by just doing what he wanted to do and being lazy like he was, I mean, just, I mean, I would tell him, all right, now I'll go do six sets of hypers and I'd go take a, the bathroom and come back and where'd you Dave know. go? <laughs> oh, he went out the front door. So he'd go ride his motorcycle, and I'd be telling him, I said, that motorcycle and me and you are just not getting along. Uh, uh, but he was a kid. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? I, it, that was the other thing. I had to uh, kind of handle him with grace because he had rich parents. Yeah. Yeah. He, a little bit spoiled. He's, he's got it going on. Oh, it, I mean, he was the kind of the sum of everything that this club and the information and everything. He's Westside. Yeah. Look what he got. He knew how to train himself. He knew I mean, it's, right. a, it's a shame what happened at the end where he left, but. These things happen. Yeah. He's, he, he's, he's, he's done well for himself since he's been gone. He's got his own gym. He rents out half the doghouse yeah. space over there, and he's got a group of guys that he's acquired that are all, yeah. all strong. Yeah. I mean, he's surrounded himself with strong people. Well, that's good. I'm excited to see. I mean, his girlfriend's freaky strong. Yeah. Where they go. I don't think he's done yet. He's doing the WPO again in October. That's his next one. It's amazing, too. He stayed. He wants to squat. He wants to do 1307, 1052, and 846. There's numbers for the next WPO. That's what he told me on the phone when he was down in Florida. Yeah. Because I talked to him the night Louie died. Yeah. Hmm. It's exciting to see where he goes with that. Um, before we get this wrapped up, is there anything that you guys want to get on or, or say that maybe people don't know or know about Lou or about Westside? No. I think Lou was a complicated man. Very complicated. Uh, he was a... Uh, very generous man, mm-hmm. demanding, but generous. Uh, was very helpful to me. Uh, he's a good judge of a lifter, especially in athletes in general. Um, my last conversation with him was a few months ago. He said, Greer, that wall's getting way too many pictures hanging on it. Yeah. And I said, old man, I said, let's just bury them, not join them. Yeah. That was the very last conversation I had with him. 
and we we pecked at each other a lot. Yeah, we're we're both the two oldest people around, you know. Yeah. And uh, I used to say he'd give me a bunch of crap. I'd say, "Oh man, I'm going to bury you. When we yeah. bury you, when everybody leaves the graveyard, I'm going to piss on your frickin' grave." <laughs> Oh man, you he said you're half dead now, Gritter. You're half dead now. How do you think you're gonna outlive me? Yeah. Louis Sims is gonna live forever. Yeah. And uh I, I prayed for him a lot. I hope he's okay wherever he's at, yeah. but he's gonna live forever. And and there's gonna be so many people benefit by who he is and what he was to mm -hmm. sport in general. Yeah. Not just powerlifting. Powerlifting is a puppy in the world of sports. Mm -hmm. You know, relatively insignificant if we're honest with each other. But he is a, he he is gifting so many people that are receiving gifts from him that they don't even know that they're getting it from him. I see a lot of these internet heroes. I can't hardly watch YouTube on. You know, I'm not naming names here. Yeah. But I cry bullshit. I know who you are and what you're talking about as much as anybody else. And, uh, you know, Lou is a legacy to the sport of powerlifting and training in general, period. I don't think you can ever talk about strength training anytime in the future from now forward without talking about him, his principles, and, his, and the way he is. I loved the man. Mm -hmm. and I, I was an alcoholic when I met him. And because of him and the good Lord, but because of him and his faith in me and my motivation to be a good power lifter, I, I've stayed sober and I'm still sober. And I credit him for a lot of that. Not all of it, but yeah. a lot of it. It was, it was special to me. I appreciate you both coming in, and hopefully this is not the last. We'll have a few more of these as time goes on, but um, I appreciate you sharing the stories, and thank you for everything. You're welcome.